Hi, you're listening to Stefan Levera Podcast, a show about Bitcoin and Austrian economics. Today, Sergei Kotliar is rejoining me. He is the CEO of BitRefill. So they are a long-standing company that you can use to pay for gift vouchers with Bitcoin. And now they've got a new announcement around bill payments in the US with Bitcoin. And so Sergey is joining me to talk about this as well as some thoughts around where the Bitcoin space is, the use of Bitcoin for convenience, and culturally, what does it take for Bitcoin adoption? We also get into some of the payment and technical aspects around what's going on with Lightning payment versus on-chain, BIP21, payment volume breakdowns, capital gains tax laws, and, and just that broader social awareness aspect of building the Bitcoin economy. Are you looking for easy ways to help onboard your friends and family? Well, with my sponsor, Swan Bitcoin, you can easily do this. Swan.com slash gift is an easy way to give the gift of Bitcoin to your loved ones alongside Swan's world-class education and customer service all at the same time. You can create a Bitcoin gift with a custom message. So your recipient, whether that's a birthday, a wedding, or something else, they will receive an email. They can claim it within seven days. They can create their own Swan account and then convert that USD value into Bitcoin. So you're getting them started on that pathway and that journey of not just owning some Bitcoin, but truly understanding the importance of Bitcoin. Education is so key to accomplishing this mission and Swan is focused on this. So make sure you send your friends there. You can do this with a gift. Go to swan.com gift. Brains are a Bitcoin mining company through and through, and they've got a range of products and services that you can utilize. First of all, they have Brains OS Plus. This is firmware for your ASIC mining machine, and you really need to go to the website and check out which models are supported, because if you're not doing this, you are leaving sats on the table. What does it do? It helps auto-tune your mining machine to give you more sats for your electricity dollar. So make sure you use this. Don't leave sats on the table. Brains also have Brains Farm Proxy. This is a single app that allows you as a miner to configure parallel use of multiple pools. You can reduce data loads. You can designate backup pools and it'll help you control your aggregated operational management dashboard. For miners using Slush Pool, you can also take advantage of encrypted messaging so that you can prevent hash rate hijacking that website is brains.com it's brains with two eyes do you need some fiat but you don't want to sell your bitcoin it's a common thing it happens to a lot of people lend at hodl hodl can help this is a peer-to-peer bitcoin backs lending platform so you can anonymously borrow stable coins against your bitcoin so what we're doing here is you're putting up your bitcoin into an over collateralized loan and you still hold one key out of three in that whole deal with lend at hodl hodl all deals are happening directly between users and you and the counterparty are choosing your own terms. You basically put up an offer or you accept an offer that's already there in terms of how long you want to borrow and the interest rate that you are looking to pay. So go and check it out. That website is lend.hodlhodl.com. And now onto the show with Sergey. Sergey, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Stefan. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of BitRefill. I love what the company is doing. And uh, yeah, I'm just keen to chat and hear a little bit from you. Obviously, there's been a lot going on. BitRefill, I've seen you recently did a rebranding. So you got a whole new logo and everything. And also you did the El Salvador thing recently as well. So I'm sure there's interesting stuff. Um, so from your point of view, what's on your mind and what's going on at BitRefill? Lots of stuff. Uh, we've uh, uh, reached, I think, uh, a very interesting point where uh, you know we're 
I mean, we are the number one thing that people buy um, uh, with Bitcoin, like even including, you know, all of uh, the, like the merchant processor companies, like we, we, we outdo uh, uh, most of them by quite a bit. But it also brings the realization uh, and many important realizations for us in terms of that it's time for us to, to kick in the a new gear um, uh, with uh, with what we're doing uh, because uh, it's not enough for us to to think about like our direct competitors like the ones that people would think would be a competitor but really about uh, that uh, we need to grow the pie uh, we need to grow uh, the group uh, of people that live on bitcoin that live on crypto and uh, uh, that make transactions on a regular basis and and that's a, I mean, that has always been uh, the main challenge. But now we've gotten to a certain point where we're, a, you know, stable and steady company with revenues, meaningfully big team. I think uh, capability to do stuff, but it's also time for us to tell the story uh, and uh, to to make it an engaging thing, you, you know, and uh, because a big chunk uh, of our users aren't people that are uh, steered by necessity. You know, it's not that they, there is no other way uh, than BitRefill. It's people that have plenty of different choices, right? And, and many alternatives that are, you know, just regular exchanges or this and that. And and uh, so, so we've been spending a lot of time over the past year going through brand and PR and similar topics. And uh, some of these things have already uh, resulted uh, in things that we've rolled out. Uh, there's quite a bit more uh, in the pipeline uh, in the coming weeks in that regard. But uh, in general, uh, I think that we, uh, and by we, I mean both uh, both Bitrefill, but also like the whole circular economy community uh, need to be better at telling the story and, uh, and why and uh, having people to care. Because at the end of the day, I'm a firm believer that... Uh, all of the things that we're building with Bitcoin and uh, what people are building in other crypto, it all kind of falls apart if it's, everything is always uh, reliant on uh, on banks in the end uh, and centralized exchanges and banking relationships and those things. So I think it's super important for all of our, our visions, and there's many different ones, but I think it's, it's important for all of them that Bitcoin is used as money uh, with everything that that entails, uh, big and small and every day and so on. And, you know, uh, we want to get to a world where people open their Bitcoin wallet as often as uh, they open the regular wallet, right? Um, and, and we're not quite there yet. We're there with a certain audience, uh, which is a small subset of uh, Bitcoin users. Uh, and uh, we're actively working on, on broadening that and, and to make it into a thing. Right. It's one thing to simply hodl, but it's another to actually spend and use it even if you are potentially you might be in a situation where your or your income is in Bitcoin and then you obviously have to spend out in Bitcoin. And so this is obviously for a lot of Bitcoiners, they can use BitRefill and the cards to be able to spend. So, you know, and obviously there have been a lot of discussions over the years about hodling and spending and oh, you know, you shouldn't spend because you're not a true hodler and so on. But I think it is about also that group of people who have to spend because they earn in Bitcoin or sure. it could also be a bunch of people who maybe they took a punt, right? They kind of were punting on you know, crypto years ago and now they're, they're just trying to, they're like, oh, hey, I can actually spend at these sites. So here we, here we go. I'll just use someone bit refill. So that uh, that's probably also a, a factor. But I think you're also seeing, to your point, the story of more and more people living on Bitcoin. I think that's a story you have been uh, telling as well as a company, right? 
Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, there are people that, that do. And, and again, like for some, it's a necessity, as you mentioned, but for a lot of them, it's a choice. Uh, and it becomes, uh, uh, this is why we, we started paying a lot more attention to our branding and graphical profile and things like that. For uh, the bulk of it, of people, it's a choice. It's a statement. Uh, it's something that, uh, you know, same as, okay, you have uh, the uh, wonderful BTC Pay Server t-shirt, you know, um, and it's a choice. Uh, and it's because that I think it's a great example because it's one of my favorite projects in the space. Uh, shout out to all of those who are involved. But, you know, getting to the point where your brand is something that people want to wear on a t-shirt in a podcast, right? Uh, most brands aren't that, you know. Even the big famous companies, but like nobody would want to wear a Facebook T-shirt uh, today, right? Or a, a Uber T-shirt or hell, a Wells Fargo T-shirt. You know, it's, it's unthinkable. It's, like, it gets funny. But certain companies reach to the stay to the point where it becomes a, a lifestyle brand, a statement that I am the kind of guy who uh, who lives on Bitcoin and uh, uses uses my wallet and the things like BitRefill and other things and. And then it needs to look cool, you know, like we have a lot of things that, uh, you know, the, I mean, Bitcoin has a very strong brand, uh, and it, but it's mostly articulated in sort of, uh, you know, printed t-shirts uh, with orange stuff on it, maybe the occasional hat. It's not really, you know, stuff that, uh, I mean, it's stuff that will make you maybe a little bit cool in, uh, uh, in the Bitcoin conference, but uh, it's not really, you know, nightclub level cool. And, and that's where we've set the bar. Yeah, you know, and that's kind of also how the whole bit snakes thing uh, happened to me, you know, because like there's things that we find cool uh, in our little bubble, uh, like, you know, hey, running a node uh, on your Raspberry Pi, like I think it's cool. You probably also, but it's not nightclub. You can't bring your Raspberry Pi to the nightclub, uh, right? <laughs> and you shouldn't. Yeah. And, and, and so I, I think it is important, especially now that, that I think, we are getting to the point where uh, where the Bitcoin group is, is a meaningful subset uh, of uh, uh, of the population, and uh, it's time uh, to start thinking about. I, I hate the word adoption, but like mainstream societal uh, uh, behavioral change, and that's a big thing, uh, right? Uh, how do you do that? Uh, and, and that's a, a big challenge. Yeah, I think for some time in the Bitcoin world, there's also been. I mean, obviously, there's all kinds of different things going on. In some parts of the Bitcoin world, there's been almost like, and maybe this is like a crypto thing, there's like a bit of a flexing culture of like, oh, Lambos and whatever. And then on the other side, you've got like people who are more like, no, like you should be saving and you should be like reducing your extravagant expenditure and things like this and sort of anti-flexing culture, if you will. But that said, I mean, the Bitcoin branding doesn't necessarily have to be about flexing per se i mean it's a, it's just a t-shirt right i don't think it's i, I don't think so yeah and i mean uh, the lambo i mean it's something else it's an external thing it's a, a rich people's thing it's not okay it became a little bit a crypto thing for a while and it's, it's a little bit funny and this and that uh, but uh, there's quite a bit more and uh, i mean yeah you know uh, maybe there will be about one point a bit of a sports car but we're quite quite ways off of that we, we barely, barely made a sneaker with uh, with LED display, uh, you know. So let's uh, uh, let's not get too excited. Yeah. So what's the, so just for people who don't know, what what is the sneaker and what's on it? 
Yeah, well, so we built uh, a Bitcoin sneaker. Uh, it's, a, uh, it's a modified uh, sneaker that has uh, like a, a LED grid display. It has a little microprocessor, a little computer in it in the, in the heel uh, with a little battery and, uh, and a 3G chip uh, so that it, it gets uh, things like uh, the Bitcoin price or the current block height, uh, uh, stuff like that. Yeah, that it's like we built like a very special like low data protocol for we we, we nerded down uh, unreasonably far uh, in building it, but nerding down is also a bit uh, of what makes it cool because there's uh, a lot of uh, craftsmanship. Uh, it's uh, it's up at bitsnakes.com. We launched it with in partnership with uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, Dallas Mavericks uh, NBA player. And, and yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, you know, it's um, handmade, so it's not going to be for mass production or anything going to uh, randomly, uh, what do you call it, uh, sweepstake out uh, one of the shoes and maybe sell one to the highest bidder or something like that. We'll see. I mean, it's a proof of concept, right? But it's it's a celebration of all of the things that Bitcoiners build that are unreasonable <laughs> by design, you know? But, and, uh, you know, with a nice nod to, like, the block clock and things like that that, that did go out into, uh, into the mainstream as well uh, with the Moscow time and all of that. <laughs> And I think you're right to point that out because I think even people like Jack Dorsey with Cash App have been very attuned to this idea of social and cultural cachet, right? So even there are rappers who sing about Cash App, right? So it's, it's like this kind of idea. Yeah. So I think maybe it's a similar kind of idea here with like BitRefill and telling the story of living on Bitcoin and being able to earn and spend Bitcoin. Yes, that's what we're, we're trying to do. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, it's a bit of a shift in attitude for us as well, you know, from... Uh, from the humble beginnings of, hey, we put something together that barely works, uh, but it does work and get the people that desperately needed to use it and so on uh, into making uh, a really slick product. I mean, first and foremost, uh, but but also the fact that, I guess this is also like a big topic, but like that we're exciting technology <laughs> by definition. Uh, what makes it exciting is it doesn't really work yet. Right. That is where the excitement comes from, because you, you triggers imagination. What if it worked? Then it would be really cool. Right. Whereas we're in the, normally in the opposite business. We want something that people can rely on, you know, that, hey, the Bitrefill is always going to work. My lightning payment is always going to work. Uh, and so we're in the business of making it unexciting, uh, making it boring uh, as fuck. Also, by, by definition. Yeah. Right. But that doesn't get you into uh, into mainstream media if it just works, right? It's not newsworthy that the thing that always works it continues to work today, also, um, uh, right? So, so part of it is also like to to see what we can do to to generate some excitement around the values uh, and the thing that we are trying to build and the broad societal change um, that we're we're trying to be a force of. Yeah, and um, so. In terms of the new stuff coming out, so as I understand, you've got a new feature coming out uh, that's going to hopefully help some more people live on Bitcoin. So do you want to tell us a little bit about that and uh, you know what, what should we be anticipating there? Yeah, so we're rolling out uh, bill payments uh, in the USA. This is something that we've had uh, in El Salvador for six months now uh, that has been very popular, growing uh, at you know, 100 to 100% every month. 
In practice, what this means is that if you are a US Bitcoiner, you'll be able to pay you know, your mortgage payments, your credit cards, your social security, your student debt, your municipal taxes, utilities. Like There's like 20,000 things that you're going to be able to pay with Bitcoin, with Lightning, with all of... Uh, I think uh, best-in-class payment experience that we have in, in uh, on Bitrefill um, in in a warm and familiar way to the users that we have. So that feature is going out today. There is uh, currently a, a wait list, uh, uh, mainly because uh, there are certain things that uh, uh, are new for us. Uh, like, uh, unfortunately, this product uh, requires account verification. Uh, it's done in partnership with a financial institution. Yeah, and uh, everything like that. So, so we we have to do that thing, and it's new. And we're sort of making sure that uh, uh, we are able to uh, to scale it, and we're going to be letting in people as fast as we can, basically, but uh, constrained a little bit by uh, the outside world. It's gotten really positive feedback from uh, from the early testers. Uh, it's something that uh, I don't even know why uh, it, nobody's really built uh, this yet for the US. But So it's going to be something that is a first for us. Or uh, we will be the first uh, to, to offer this to, to Americans, as far as I know. To me, it's pretty cool that uh, we are executing on the, the plan for El Salvador, uh, which was always uh, that we use uh, El Salvador as a, you know, a beachhead. Yeah, we do things there first, try it out, figure it out, uh, learn the ins and outs of uh, of the product, but also of uh, all of the marketing related stuff, uh, right? And I, I always keep talking about that. Uh, you know, we are a tech heavy community, but the big challenges that we have uh, are fundamentally not technical. There are technical challenges. I enjoy it. I'm a techie myself. Uh, you know, I know that uh, Stefan Levera is a tech-centered podcast. This is why I listen to it as well. But there are really important challenges that are, again, the broad societal change. Uh, and those are, uh, in many ways, uh, marketing-related. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's not uh, always about the, the exciting new lightning feature. It's about getting the features that uh, we already have and trust and out into the hands of as many people as possible and to get them to want to use it. Yeah, and I think that's very much a social, cultural question as opposed to the technical aspects, which obviously we talk about it here a lot on my show. I mean, to be fair, we even do talk about the economic aspects also. But, you know, I, I think to this idea of using BitRefill for bit bill payments, I certainly I think that's, that's cool. Certainly those people out there who are earning Bitcoin, now they can live on Bitcoin more easily because up until now, there's often been a point where people maybe they could do most of the payments in Bitcoin or using BitRefill with the vouchers, but without being able to do bill payments, this is kind of like another sticking point for people. And so this is kind of helping them close out that loop a little bit even more because more than they could previously. Um, so I think that part of it's definitely useful. Obviously, I'm sure some listeners are thinking, oh, hang on, Sergey, what about capital gains? Does that mean users would have to be calculating capital gains. Do you have any thoughts around that, around whether that might be more of a barrier in the US as opposed to El Salvador? Sure. But but I mean, uh, the capital gains is uh, orthogonal. Like uh, no matter, uh, it's first of all, it's different from country to country, right? And I guess we're talking about the US. 
whenever you sell uh, Bitcoin, you have to do capital gains, even if you exchange it for, for goods and services. Uh, and, and we're no exception in that regard. And so we're, we're no different in that sense from using an exchange or anything. Um, it's still uh, in practice, uh, you know, everyone's obligation and responsibility to, to file their taxes uh, on their own. Uh, and so uh, we don't, let's say, capital gains is not a benefit uh, of uh, the bill payment offering. The benefit is convenience. The benefit, A big benefit, I think, is that we still have a world where people get in trouble for, hey, uh, you have a transaction here from a Bitcoin exchange. What is that? Let's close your account and hassle you for a week. You know, stuff like that, uh, that uh, now people can uh, live a little bit more bankless with their, uh, their coins. Right, right, certainly. And I think this might reduce the amount of, let's say, selling on whether it's a platform, an exchange, or even peer-to-peer, because if they can just directly pay Bitcoin to pay their bill, then well, through, through the service. I mean, it's still selling, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you, you know, your utility company is going to get paid in, in regular dollars, right? So the same amount of coins will be sold in either case. It's about convenience. Uh, it's about uh, uh, yeah, being able to keep uh, your, your funds in your wallet uh, a little bit more, not getting uh, hassled uh, by, by incumbent industries, things like that. For sure, yeah. And I, I also see it like we maybe in those countries, because BitRefill is around all these different countries around the world, I wonder if maybe you would be more inclined to see like growth in the countries that don't have a capital gains uh, tax or as much of a ta- capital gains tax implication. Let's say the El Salvador's of the world, maybe the Singapore's or um, maybe Germany, if you've held for more than a year, or Portugal, things like that. I'm curious if you see that kind of thing as well. It's very hard to tell, to be honest. Uh, and I mean, uh, I think that, uh, again, like for whatever country, uh, there is no fundamental difference uh, between uh, uh, us and some other service, right? And it's still the case that most exchanges aren't going to report you to the tax authorities just because you sold some uh, some coins. And so if you want to uh, not report your capital gains, you know, you, you are able to do so. But then the, the system has ways of finding that out and so on. And it's illegal and you shouldn't do that. Uh, so, uh, you know, I mean, you, you have to keep in mind uh, that, you know, everyone's an individual and they have their own context, right? And whatever the capital gains thing is, uh, that is the factor that decides uh, for them. And, and that's always equal, sure. right? So, yeah, of course, it, it becomes easier uh, for people to take their salary in Bitcoin, for example, in locations where there are uh, capital gains laws. But there's also so many ways around that stuff now with, uh, uh, you know, things like uh, stable coins or stable value accounts, uh, your, your strikes and uh, and cash apps and uh, Shiva wallets and things like that. So I think that it's it's mostly uh, uh, solved uh, enough. Uh, I would say problem. It's going to get even better. Yeah, that's right. It's more of a you know again convenience, lifestyle, and so on. And uh, you know uh, money in the bank is an expression, and and that's kind of the, the stuff that we're struggling against. Yeah, sure, sure. So I think, like you said, it's the technical part of it and maybe the logistical aspect of it is one side. And then I think the social 
And maybe the convenience factor, to your point, is probably more important in that social and cultural change and shift that we're seeing as the world goes to Bitcoin. Also, I'm sure some listeners will be curious to get your thoughts on uh, like payment breakdowns between, let's say, how many people are doing Lightning stuff, how many people are doing on-chain stuff and other stuff. Uh, if you have any comments to share for listeners there. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I think that Lightning payments are still a niche even among Bitcoin payments. I think that out of Bitcoin payments, but we are at, you know, maybe 15% of Bitcoin payments are happening with Lightning, right? So, uh, it, and it is growing at a steady pace. I'm always frustrated uh, because I always wanted to go faster. Uh, you know, I always say that if you're tracking something that has an exponential growth curve and you're somewhere uh, not at the top, not at the bottom, then you can, you can make a very eloquent case for why it's insanely great. And you can also make an eloquent case for why, why it's, uh, it's miserably low, right? They're both true uh, because you're at an exponential uh, growth trajectory and you're not uh, on, the, uh, on the moon yet. And, and, and Lightning is in, in something like that. Um, I think that uh, Lightning does uh, have a marketing problem in the sense that it is uh, primarily marketed to people that uh, are enthusiasts and uh, care uh, and love uh, Bitcoin as opposed to people that use uh, Bitcoin. And these groups overlap uh, a little bit, uh, obviously, but they overlap less than many people think, uh, right? And uh, I always bring up the BitTorrent analogy that, uh, you know, I uh, will use BitTorrent to download a Linux distribution, let's say, um, but uh, I don't hang out in the BitTorrent community. I don't have a BitTorrent emoji in my handle or I don't wear their T-shirts. I don't have a strong opinion on which implementation of the BitTorrent protocol is the best. I use it as a tool. I don't love it. And, and, and most people that use Bitcoin use it as a tool as well. And, and I think this is uh, important to understand. And I think that that's a big realization for us is that we're not in conflict with the people that say you should hold the uh, tax ads and so on. You should do all of these things. These are great things. We're not in, in any conflict. If you don't uh, want to use uh, your Bitcoin to buy stuff, that's great. Uh, don't, you know, uh, we target the people that do want to use Bitcoin and, and to provide them uh, a valuable offering. And uh, uh, I think that that's been like a big, uh, it took a while uh, to sort of, uh, because like when you are like us, like so deep in the community, hanging out on the Twitter, on the conferences uh, and so on, you're always sort of surrounded uh, by this community of people uh, and, uh, and some of them are users, but many of them aren't, you know, and there's this tension in that. And I think that, uh, yeah, it's important for us uh, to sort of be mindful of who does use Bitcoin to, to make purchases yeah. uh, and uh, and what kind of other things do they use, uh, you, you know, and, and paint a user persona and a profile uh, and so on. And like simple control question uh, that we can ask and maybe the audience can ask themselves is like, when did you last open your wallet and make a transaction, right? And if, if the answer is, uh, I did it two months ago to buy a ticket to the Bitcoin conference, well, then you're, you're not, you know, a heavy... Uh, have a transactional Bitcoin user, right? You, Hodler and Hodling is using as well, and that's great, you know? But there are people that do make transactions on a regular basis that pop up their wallet and so on. And uh, frankly, a lot of these people also use other crypto. And, uh, and, and this is, uh, I think, the essence of Lightning's marketing problem is that because Lightning is so 
sort of you know for historical reasons with the block size war and all of these things and 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 alt and all of that which you know i agree with on a values level but it's also the case that uh, people that uh, uh, that deal with uh, tokens that do the, those sort of things are also likely to to be living in crypto and uh, because of the way that we're we're presenting lightning uh, there is no good option for them yeah, right, because Lightning is not in any of the wallets that they use, and uh, why you know, and it doesn't have any speculative functionality. So it's not uh, there's no token, so there's no incentive for for the casinos to the, the token casinos to to integrate it, and so it it sort of ends up building its own uh, little uh, circular economy, which is sort of free from all of these things, uh, which is great from a value standpoint, of course, because you know there is. Still, no Ponzi schemes on Lightning and stuff like that. Yeah. So and so, it's great that 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 is happening. But then it becomes a separate island, right? Uh, that doesn't uh, interact uh, with the broader crypto world. Uh, and, and and that's a, I think uh, a question that one can land at different decisions. Uh, you know, but it, but it's important to be aware of it uh, and uh, and decide, not just ignore. Simple things like, uh, you know, uh, we talked about stable coins. People who get paid in crypto will often want to get paid in stable coins, uh, right? Because you don't want your monthly paycheck uh, to go up and down in value uh, on a day-to-day uh, basis. And, okay, now there are some projects uh, to build stable coins and lightning. I think it's incredibly encouraging. Um, but, like, in the status quo, you're going to use a wallet that uh, that enables you to use uh, stable coins. And today that wallet doesn't have Lightning. And so uh, then you need to have a separate wallet for your Lightning, and then it becomes it's living into different worlds. Again, it, it, it's a tough question, right? Because this whole industry, including the diehard Bitcoin part, is part of, like, a like a galaxy that spins around a black hole, right? And that black hole they call the casino, like in the abstract sense, that the speculative aspect is at the essence of a lot of things, even even buy and hodl, right? I mean, you hodl because your Bitcoins are going to be worth more in the future, which is a speculative investment and so on. So it's just a different flavor, different strategy uh, of it all, and and and, and this is this does permeate permeate uh, uh, our uh, our space, and so it's important to be mindful of what to do with it. Uh, you know, if you want to build your own galaxy that is entirely outside of that, or do you want to find ways to to interact with uh, with the force uh, that is happening and try to like, do it in a into a more constructive uh, yeah. constructive direction. Back to the show in a moment. We all think about our Bitcoin security and it's important to remove single points of failure in our setup. With Unchained Capital, you can easily create a multi-signature vault. This means you hold two keys in different locations and Unchained hold the third key. So with this setup, you can do it on your own or you can use the concierge onboarding program where they will ship you some hardware wallets. You pay them up front, obviously, and then they will do a call with you to get you set up. And there's even some ongoing support associated for this. So don't feel like you're going into this totally on your own. You are being guided in the pathway. So with Unchained, they will also then deposit $1,000 of Bitcoin in your vault. So this is an easy way to get yourself started with multi-signature and remove single points of failure. So that website is unchained.com. 
The cold card MK4 is now shipping out from CoinKite.com. This is my favorite Bitcoin signing device. That's the new terminology that NVK and the team are using. So get with the program. This signing device can be used to store your private keys and also sign Bitcoin transactions. You can do it easily with wallets like Spectre or Sparrow or even Electrum or Blue Wallet. There's lots of options and lots of possible ways you can use this. You can use it with BIP85 and have different child seeds. You can use it as part of a multi-signature setup. You can just use it in single signature or you could perhaps use single signature with a passphrase. There's all kinds of options and there are guides on the website. So that website is coinkite.com. Back to the show with Sergey. So I think you make a good point and in fairness to you, you have been making this point for probably multiple years now, this idea that Bitcoin Twitter is not necessarily Bitcoin, right? So that they are different groups of people and the kinds who are yeah. spending... Also yeah. goes for shitcoin Twitter, by the way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, you know, it also applies equally uh, to those things uh, for the same reasons. Right, that the users are not necessarily the same as the vocal online posters, right? And... Yeah, I mean, for me personally, I, I do actually use BitRefill. So I'm actually in the user camp myself, but I can appreciate where there are a lot of people who are not. And yeah. I don't know, it's maybe, is it, a, is it a question of values? Is it a question of, I guess, hypocrisy, is it? I don't know. Um, or is it just kind of, they're just valuing different things? I, I don't think so. And uh, again, like I'm uh, against trying to guilt people into doing something. It's not sustainable. Uh, it sucks uh, you know everybody should do what they want and if you want to hold your bitcoins that's great you should do that again like you can be a friend uh, of bitrefill without being a customer um, that's fine uh, right and and we have a lot like we observe that uh, many times like uh, from our twitter presence like i can post like hey you know uh, i need a uh, an intro for a translator into Aramaic, you know, and within five minutes, I have five leads, yeah, right? Because we have a fan base of people that care about us, about lighting and so on. It's not always as easy if we say, hey, you know, here we have a product you can buy in Armenia. There's a different environment because, again, the people that, that use the stuff are sometimes different uh, from, uh, from the people that uh, see it as belonging uh, yeah. in, uh, in a community. Uh, but the, I mean, they do overlap. So I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, yeah, exaggerating a little bit. Uh, but it's, I think it's important to to know because, like, when you when you do marketing, you you focusing on, or the way we do it is like focusing on behavior, right? Yeah, uh, uh, what kind of things uh, does uh, the customer persona do? Like their demographics are less relevant if they are yeah, a boy or a girl or tall or short or whatever. Um, yeah, it's it's the behavior, and so uh, we're you know we're looking for people that open their wallet uh, yeah. uh, every day, yeah, and uh, we're looking to grow that uh, that audience, and we're not going to get there by guilting of people course, yeah. or by you know taking conflict against the huddle gang. I don't like this Padden thing. It's like come on, you know, like uh, it's reactionary. Like we we need to create. Uh, our own, uh, let's say, uh, a movement, I guess, or like uh, behavior type, uh, and it needs to stand on its own and not be in a reaction to, to something else, which we don't even disagree with. Of course. And I think the other aspect of it is that Lightning is still early days, right? Like it, it has only been mainnet for, what, four years? That's still like relatively young. And we are now starting to see some other services that are plugging in and turning it on. So obviously... Bitfinex has been around for ages. I mean, 
Kraken have recently turned it on. Cash App are turning it on. Robinhood have promised that they'll turn it on. Paxful, uh, Chivo, obviously. I mean, once you add all of these up, that's probably, what, over 50 million potential users who could use Lightning yeah. just to, you know. Yeah, but uh, but then you still need to, again, It's there's a lot of uh, sort of... Uh, there's chicken and egg type problems, right? And it's great that we have some chickens. Now we need, just need to figure out how to market the egg to them, <laughs> uh, so to speak. But the, there's a there's a self-reinforcing uh, dynamic with these things. And, and it does require uh, marketing and storytelling and all of these things to uh, to get people to, to be interested and care and show them what possibilities the new things uh, have and what it can add to their life. Mm, yeah, yeah. Are you seeing things like in terms of like as far as like adoption or at least in terms of bit refill users, are you seeing that is that waxing and waning along with bull and bear cycles in Bitcoin or is it kind of independent of that? You're just seeing like independent like growth, let's say, of people adopting and using bit refill platform. It's both. Uh, I mean, obviously, when there is a bull cycle and the Bitcoiners are are rich, uh, that more people are, are considering uh, buying something with their coins, uh, of course. But we also see a, a, a slow and, uh, and steady growth over time. And so you see higher highs, higher lows. Uh, but yeah, it does fluctuate uh, a little bit. I, I mean, we've been through a period now uh, for half a year where it's been relative price stability. And uh, I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan of price stability or, you know, it, slow and steady growth uh, in, instead of these crazy hype cycles that uh, you know steer uh, focus to, to the wrong things and create a bunch of other issues and stuff yeah so so yeah it, it, it is both i think uh, um, we see more of everything like of course when price is high we get you know better conversion rate and higher average order sizes and everything yeah. i mean that's not i think uh, hard to understand i mean same as on an exchange, when price goes up, there's going to be higher order volume because more people are looking to sell. This is why the mempool clogs up when the price goes up, uh, is because a lot of people are moving coins to an exchange or between one exchange and another. Yeah. But a lot of it is people that are like, okay, maybe this, this is where uh, where I get off, uh, uh, you know, and they're sending their coins to, the, to an exchange. And every time that somebody buys a Bitcoin, someone else sells a Bitcoin. The amount of Bitcoins bought and sold uh, are always the same. And... All Bitcoins are hodled uh, by somebody at all times. Uh, that is in the design, uh, I guess, except for what's in the mempool and whatever. But let's not go into that. Uh, but as a general, as a general rule, uh, all Bitcoins are being hodled, right? And selling your Bitcoin is transferring uh, the hodling rights uh, to somebody else in exchange for uh, other uh, values, such as usually fiat. Right. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, so I think it is an interesting point there around let's say as you were saying kind of the inconvenient truths about bitcoin payments that uh it doesn't always align up exactly with who's vocal on twitter or whatever other online platform or forum but it can also just be people who are using it and they're not really as plugged into that online scene maybe they even know about it but they're just not that interested in kind of following the bitcoin twitter scene they just use it because hey my wallet has this thing and i mean i i you know like now we have uh uh, on the site, we have a, a, a wallet selector uh, on, the, on the payment experience, uh, which is like an optional feature. But if you use it 
we, we adjust uh, the experience to make sure that we reduce the risk of something, uh, you know, making something wrong. Like we use the BEC32 addresses for wallets that support it. And we use regular old style addresses for wallets that don't, stuff like that, right? Uh, and so we, we, we get uh, usage data from which wallets that, that people use. And uh, it's always, uh, it's very interesting because like when I talk to our customers, they usually can guess very easily because they, they're statistically, they're likely to be one of the, in one of the bigger categories. Uh, whereas if you ask people from like on a conference and so on, uh, they usually have a hard time guessing, you know, what the top wallets are. And often they don't even know what, which they are because they are shitcoin wallets uh, that don't always subscribe to, uh, to the core. Uh, to all of the values, or maybe they're not open source, or something. Uh, there's some centralized element to it, or this. Yeah, but it, but it is sort of telling. Uh, I think that even when it comes to Bitcoin, uh, m- many a big big chunk of those uh, transactions are being done by people that also the, deal with shitcoins. And I mean, and it's not even that's. I mean, even even at a conference, uh, if you ask people. Yeah, sort of okay. Outside of the maybe uh, ultra diehard group, there's quite a lot that are going to be. You know, there's always even like at uh, at the Bitcoin conference that is like very clear, no crypto, no NFTs, no nothing, nothing. But there's still you know people ah, but we're doing this thing. You know, so uh, I mean, if you look at the broader perspective, there there is a sort of interplay with these things and. I think there was a time and a place to to distance ourselves from that as a community. Uh, let's say, uh, in many ways, I think that ship has sailed. Yeah, many of the investors in the Bitcoin space are also in, investing in the shitcoin space and uh, and so on. And even in in the companies, uh, if you look at uh, who ended up investing in companies that are very Bitcoin uh, only, staying true to the cause. But if you look at you know where the capital is coming from, a little bit this and that. And it, it, it is what it is, sort of. I'm, I'm not uh, myself a, a big fan of all of these things. Uh, at the same time, yeah, I don't know. Uh, let's not go deep into the, the altcoin. I don't think yeah, I sure, can add sure. anything yeah. to that discussion that hasn't already been said so many times. Yeah, sure. I think it's, um, yeah, like to, to what you're saying, it's like you might think like that certain, based on certain online discussion that these wallets are the popular ones, but actually what's happened is more like because that some other wallets have been around for a long time, they are actually the ones where a lot of the volume is coming from. So probably the, like probably the common example is like the, you know, uh, what used to be blockchain.info, I think it's now blockchain.com. That's an example where they actually, because, and some of that could just be a Lindy factor, right? Like just because of so much time in the space and so many people would just go there for their first wallet. I think, you know, even back in the day in like 2013 or whatever, I had a wallet with them and stuff like this, right? Um, whereas nowadays, obviously, I'm using more like Lightning wallets, Phoenix, Zeus, things like this. So, yeah, I think it, that some of that can play out in that way also. Absolutely. I mean, hey, most people, uh, uh, I mean, same way as you would install a BitTorrent client, you type it into Google or into the uh, App Store or Play Store. That's what people do. And so I mean, a very simple exercise is type in Bitcoin wallet uh, into the, the app store that you have on your device. And you can see what the top things that people recommend is. And the, you know you, you get an idea <laughs> yeah, of uh, yeah, what someone sees when they show up in the space. And if you take into account that they don't care about politics uh, of, uh, of our community and stuff that happened five years ago that some company did a thing that many people thought was bad so on um on the just out of curiosity on the bitcoin side of things 
Uh, I'm curious if you have any thoughts on the whole BIP21 thing. So, for example, Cash App, they recently came out with their announcement. And I think as part of that, they were trying to go to this idea of one QR code to kind of carry both a Lightning invoice and a Bitcoin fallback address. So that was part of their idea of how to make the standard so that people can just scan one QR. I'm curious, obviously, you as a company would have done a lot of work on how to structure that because, again, you have to support across all these different wallets and different customers who are some of them at a very advanced level and others at a very beginner level. Yeah, I think it's, that's where it's going to end up, right? I mean, I think the, the end goal is that Lightning shouldn't be a consumer brand. It's just a way of how you transfer Bitcoins uh, and that it's going to be the default way with fallbacks, which then uses BIP21. I mean, the only reason why we didn't do that on uh, on BitRefill, well, there's, there's a couple of reasons. Uh, the main reason is that... Uh, I guess we're getting into the technical stuff, but um, it adds a lot of data to the QR code. Gotcha. Um, it, it makes it uh, difficult uh, to scan uh, that code on lower end devices. Yeah. Uh, and we have a lot of users in emerging countries that don't always have the fancy new iPhone. Yeah. And so we need to take that a little bit into consideration. I still think it, it, that is where it's going to end up and for us as well. Yeah, there's also the issue of, you know, that like generating a bunch of addresses is costly because we need to monitor them and so on. Uh, it's also something that people don't realize until they try to do it with millions of them. Uh, but like, ah, yeah, good point. Uh, monitoring for a lot of addresses, uh, including things that can go wrong. And some users sends to an address that they used once six months ago and they uh, want, need to get their money back. And it adds complexity. And so we chose back then to uh, to have lightning as a separate payment option but yeah i mean it, it 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 does get tricky and we see this in el salvador right where people don't understand what is lightning i pay with bitcoin right but what they mean is that they will pay with uh, with bitcoin over lightning yeah, because all of the wallets there are uh, lightning enabled wallets so we've had to do a little bit of custom uh, adjustments uh, uh, there in different periods and so on. And so, But yeah, I, I think that that general line of thinking is good. I think that backwards compatibility is super important. I mean, for us, like we built the wallet selector specifically so that we can do the cool new stuff uh, for those that support the new stuff when there is not uh, backwards compatibility. But, but that also... You know, creates a, a cost, right? It, it requires a lot of software to build and to maintain, and so on. And so, someone just setting up pay payment with uh, with Bitcoin on their website wouldn't be able to do that in the same way. And it, it's tricky. At the same time, I think our industry is, has shown to be notoriously slow with uh, with upgrades of, of uh, technology. So, yeah, it, it's it's a tricky subject. Yeah. But I appreciate that it's like you're, you're, you're actually dealing with the real world consequences of it, right? Because it's easy to be kind of on Twitter and be on the latest thing and always using this. And But I understand that uh, to, to the point we were saying as well, this is not just a technical phenomenon. It's also a social one. And we have to think about what is it going to take for more and more people to come in from that social, cultural consequence or cultural reasons. So I'm curious as well, if you have any thoughts, just, you know, just broadly, uh, as you look at people coming into Bitcoin around the world, what do you see as being like those big drivers socially or culturally, if we're thinking from that point of view? That's an excellent question. Puts me on the spot a little bit. Uh, yeah, don't get asked that so often. I mean, many of the core values, uh, I mean, it comes down to, 
to freedom, yeah, but it presents itself in different ways. You know, freedom to work in a different country, right? If you're, a, uh, as today, many people work on their laptop to produce some kind of information yeah, that uh, they get uh, uh, get paid for. And so that creates uh, the freedom uh, of uh, interacting financially in other places. There is obviously uh, the speculative side is a big factor. I mean, I remember like when we were first time we were in El Salvador and we were talking to, and this was actually the second time, uh, we're talking to, we talked to all the taxi drivers, obviously. I mean, uh, we're very taxi driver driven, pun intended. And they, we talked about, hey, do you have a Bitcoin wallet? Yeah, you know, and which one do you use and, and so on. And it was like, yeah, you know, but like I, I got some Bitcoins from different customers. I drove some Americans, this and that, but like. My wife says I should save it, right? Um, so, so I, mean, I, I think like what I've found is that people, are, especially when it comes to the Bitcoin stuff, people are very similar, even if they come from very different cultural or economical backgrounds. Yeah, there's a lot of similar dynamics, right? Obviously, there's different. The commas are on different places in their wallet, but. Um, uh, but there are similar dynamics and uh, people definitely more and more people are waking up to the fact that there is different kinds of inflations going on and prices are getting higher and something like Bitcoin is independent and you can uh, keep that and it goes up a little bit. And then it also has the concern, what if the price goes down? Uh, all, all of these things. So yeah, and, yeah convenience, uh, like being able to, to feel like you own the keys uh, to your own money um, getting away from cash uh, has also pros and cons. I mean, we could talk about El Salvador if you want more. Uh, I mean, money there is literally pieces of green paper that you have in your wallet, right? And so it's a pretty big shift uh, to go from there to that money is a number that you have in an app on your phone. And what does that mean? And how does that work? And then there is also this weird association that Bitcoin is somehow part of the government, right? Because of how it was rolled out and so on. And so there's this association and some people uh, don't always trust the government, even if they like it. It's like, I would better to keep my dollars with myself. So there's a lot of challenges uh, uh, with uh, with these things. Uh, and and that, those are the, like the things that, you know, uh, now, you know, trying to figure out, uh, throwing stuff on the wall and, seeing how we can again shift uh, uh, shift those attitudes i mean we add a massive convenience factor to people right i mean for americans paying your bills does not require go, leave, going outside your door yeah but in el salvador usually it does uh, for a lot of people right so it becomes an errand uh, that you do uh, you would go into the uh, commercial center queue to the bank <laughs> submit the thing pay them in cash uh, or to some other company that uh, does the bills stuff, and so it is a big convenience that hey, you know what, you're you're sitting on your couch uh, uh, and your data run out, and you can just click click, and then it works again. But since it's not part of, you know, they also don't have the same uh, convenience enthusiasm that many Western countries have, where. <laughs> Yeah, so people like don't they don't see it as uh, it doesn't offend them as much as it would uh, say an American uh, that they would need to drive for half an hour uh, to pay their bills. 
in the same way. Uh, and but I think that it's going to get there, right? I mean, hey, why drive when you cannot drive, <laughs> uh, right? But again, it's, there's a lot of these things, and how can you get Bitcoin? And do you want to trust it? Do you want to keep it in the Chiva wallet or not? Pros and cons, right? But the ATMs work with the Chiva wallet, both the best. Uh, but there's also other cons and there's a lot of stuff, uh, but it's exciting that it's all like kind of like boiling and there's tensions and like Strike are doing their things and the, the Galois and Bitcoin Beach people are doing their things. And um, th- there's a lot of stuff and there's good amount of people that use the moon wallet. So there, there is, uh, and, and it is sort of over time, uh, like the, the percentage of non-Chivo usage is increasing, I think for obvious reasons, right? I mean, uh, the main feature of Chivo was that you got free money there and now that you don't get free money anymore well then you can use any wallet that you want and uh, and so there is a, a market of opportunity uh, that people can choose so yeah I mean it, it's uh, we, we, it has been growing at a good pace uh, very steady pace so the charts look really nice um, but again it's still uh, it's still early even for El Salvador we'll see you know uh, like the the dark secret about uh, exponential growth is that it's always the beginning of an S curve, right? Um, <laughs> right. So uh, uh, we we haven't yet uh, seen uh, seen where the S curve uh, fizzles out uh, and when it will be time to to push it more. Um, but at some point, I guess we, it's going to get more challenging, and yeah, and some of these things are going to to take a little bit of time. Yeah, I think it takes patience. And as you were saying, like the social to the social part of it, I think that comes down to enough people having an awareness about inflation and understanding what Bitcoin is. Of course, that will take time for them to learn. And then the point where BitRefill can really help is, as you were saying, it's the convenience factor. And for some people, it's the necessity factor, right? That they don't have another easy way to use it. So it's, they're actually, it's not just convenience, it's actually necessity for them. But over time, we're going to see this plethora of different Bitcoin services that people can use. And uh, fundamentally, that number is going to grow over time. I think part of it is also, like you were saying, it's, it's part of it, it's just going to be a patience factor, right? Like there's a lot of impatience I see sometimes about why certain numbers are not higher or why certain things are not more advanced than they are currently. But I think it just has to be remembered how young Bitcoin is, how young Lightning is, that all these things will uh, just take time to grow. I guess. I mean, it's it's all, again, it's all relative, but uh, I mean, Bitcoin is what, 12 now? Yeah, like 13. Yeah, yeah Lightning yeah. is four or five years. So, I mean, it's not uh, brand new, right? I don't know. Uh, uh, I also feel like the whole, it's still early. It's, I don't know. Maybe it is, but it's not brand new, brand new. But yeah, I mean, we're, we're playing our part and, and trying to grow the thing and to make it, a, make it an exciting thing that can be a, a lifestyle statement. Fantastic. Well, uh, uh, listeners, make sure you check out uh, BitRefill. Sergey, where can people find you guys? Yeah, bitrefill.com is where you can find us and uh, uh, bitrefill on Twitter. And I'm at Zigamon on Twitter. So reach out uh, and uh, tell me what you think. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thanks, Sergey. What do you think are the big cultural drivers for Bitcoin adoption? Get the show notes at stefanlevera.com slash 372. Thanks for listening and I will see you in the Citadels.